I'm Natalie. I am an alcoholic and a junkie. Um, I'm super stoked to be here. Uh, speaking in any type of 12-step program is my least favorite. Um, it's terrifying, and I don't like. I like being the one where you guys are at, and you guys can watch. Um, I want to welcome the newcomers and people who are coming back into the rooms. Um, I know what it's like to be new, and I know what it's like to come back, and it's it's definitely a difficult thing that I've been through. Um, but yeah, I'll get into my story. Um, so I grew up in San Diego, um, and I had a pretty good childhood. It was like any other, like I was raised well. I had I got everything I wanted. I had everything I wanted. I played, you know, varsity softball. I was always in sports. Um, I had a lot of friends. Um, so. I wish that there was something that I could like blame my alcoholism on. Um, you know, I lost my mom when I was five, but you know, I didn't really remember. And as a, you know, I have a brother, and it's me, and everyone in the family and like friends around me would always like feel sorry for us. So it was always like a poor me. So I like I was when I was young, I was always in that victim mentality all the time. Like I felt like the world owed me something, um, and my family. Uh, on my mom's side does not get along with my dad, and my dad is the one who raised us, and my grandparents on my mom's side co-raised us when she passed. And my grandparents and my dad um, are alcoholics, and we ha I have a very dysfunctional family. And um, so a lot of the times, like, I was, we'd go back and forth, my brother and I, and I was told to keep secrets, like family secrets, or don't tell your dad I let you do this, or don't tell your you know, grandfather, I bought you this. And it was like this double life. Because I grew up in San Diego. I moved to Palm Desert. Um, I went to high school there. And then I'd go visit my grandparents in San Diego. So it was like I was this athlete, like good person in, in, the, in the desert. And then in San Diego, I was sneaking out, hanging out with these friends and drinking and smoking cigarettes at like 13, 14. Um, and so during high school, I, I pretty much I went to, I went to parties and stuff. Um, I never really did anything, like any hard drugs. It was more of just drinking and smoking weed. I was really like, I was that person who was like really scared to take other drugs and like thought my, like if people brought out cocaine, I thought my heart was gonna stop. So I just like, was like, no, I'll stick to drinking. So my first love was drinking. And um, it made me social, it made me um, fun, it made me confident and I loved how it made me feel and I chased after that the minute I had my first drink. And my first drink um, was very sad. So when I was 14, I got alcohol poisoning. I drank a whole bottle of absolute vodka um, pear and ate like 20 uh, coracetin cough medicines. And um, I, I, yeah, I ditched, I ditched class and I went over to my friend's house. And that's when I started the drinking. And I, um, I fell out. I don't remember any of it. I went to the hospital. And I flatlined um, at 14, and they had to revive me. And then I came back, and I was pretty much grounded. I was eighth grade going into high school, and I was pretty much grounded my entire high school career. Um, and it's still like that didn't scare me. I mean, my dad grounded me from school, grounded me from softball, and I still have friends over and would smoke weed out of Arizona cans and s steal alcohol and replace my dad's vodka with water. Um, and I just didn't comprehend like the severity of what had happened. And I went into high school because I was so like locked down from my dad, like my way of socializing. Cause I was like, I was the one that was 
people would ask me like, are you still grounded? Are you still grounded? And it was always yes. My phone was always taken away. I was always in trouble. So the way I would socialize would be to sneak out of the house like five days a week and to sneak around and lie about where I'm at. So like sneaking and lying in secrets has been like my forte since I was like young. Um, I was good in school. I mean, I, I could have been better if I applied more of like my socializing to school. I just didn't care about it as much in comparison to my brother who's like a genius. Um, but I did apply to college because for me, applying to college meant I could get the fuck away from my dad. And that's like all I wanted because I'm 16, 17 and I hate my dad. And um, so I applied to some colleges and I got into San Francisco State and some other ones, but I chose San Francisco because it was like, in high school I was like a little hippie and I like smoked a lot of weed and I was like, this is gonna be so cool, I'm gonna hang out in coffee shops and, um, and so I picked San Francisco. So I moved out of the desert at 17 and moved up to San Francisco and, um, and that's when my drinking just like really kicked off. You know, I wasn't being watched, I wasn't being monitored, I could do whatever I want, I could, you know, I, I met this. I met someone older than me that could buy alcohol, and I had vodka, wine, anything I could. But I had to have something every single night, and I would drink. Like I swear, it was right when I got to college. I would drink until I passed out, and I would pass out, and I would piss the bed, and I would cry and throw up on myself, and like show up to class drunk, and it just like was really fast. And I got through that that um, that year of college, but and I got by with pretty good grades except for a, a math class, which caused me to flunk out. So I moved back down to San Diego, and I moved in with my grandparents, who were like, are my biggest enablers on this planet. And like, they, they love me so much, and I think it's because of the loss of my mom that like, they have to you know, compensate. And, and I have the same voice as her and the same mannerisms, and I look just like her, and I think for them that was really hard. And so they wanted me to have like this best, the best life. So I lived with them, and I didn't have a job. I didn't work. I went out uh, like 12 noon to like 2 a.m. and just drank and did whatever. I started using cocaine. Cocaine became another love of mine. Um, and so drinking and coke and drinking and coke and... Um, and that's when like things started hitting the fan. I had gained a lot of weight too, and I was like super insecure, and like the alcohol was making me super anxious. Um, and my life was like meaningless. Like I literally was living with my grandparents and like drinking and partying and doing nothing. And I moved out. I got a job. I got. I kind of got my shit together. I started working in hospitality, and I got into this relationship uh, with a guy. Um, that I was with for four years, and he was the one that I ended. I started using opiates with, and that relationship, in the beginning, was fueled off alcohol and coke and partying, and I I was young at the time. I had just turned twenty or twenty one, and super impressionable. And I think as as a young age, I've always like looked for that external validation in other people and not within myself. Like I needed other people, whether it was friends or my coach or family or someone I'm dating to like validate me because what you tell me I am is who I believe I am and, and that's my worth. And in that relationship, I was, you know, mentally, emotionally, physically abused. And to me, that was, that made me believe that I was worth that much. And, you know, and it took me a long time to really realize like, that I like when I did my four step and was like my part in it, and I was like, I don't have a fucking part, says we all say. 
And, um, but it's, it's true. Like I did the same exact things, you know, like he cheated. So I cheated back. Like he would hit me. I I would defend myself, but like, I was just as bad. And in that relationship, you know, I had a surgery, I had a gallbladder surgery, not even a big one. And I got prescribed, um, pills that weren't, it was a Norco. So of course that doesn't work. And, um, my boyfriend at the time had brought home Oxycontin and, that's when I just like started getting hooked on that. And it was like this subtle, like for me, cause I struggled with anxiety and depression all of my life, like all of my life, it's like suicide and everything. And for me, um, when I took Oxycontin for the first time, it was like, like I can remember it so clearly right now. Like my anxiety just went away. Like everything in life was just like aligned and like perfect. And it was like, like that, I have arrived feeling this is fucking it. Like, this is what I'm doing until the day I die. Um, Because I was, like, getting promoted, and I felt like it was, like, doing really well for me. And um, you know how it goes. It gets really expensive. And so, anyways, long story short, I started getting it. I started using fentanyl because why not? I just went to fentanyl and then heroin and then um, started getting mixed up with the wrong people because I didn't know a lot of people who did drugs because I was an isolated addict. Like, I would use at home. And... So I started going down to Tijuana, to Mexico, to go to the pharmacies and um, cop there. And I started working with the cartel and smuggling drugs for them from Tijuana to San Diego and putting myself at risk. And um, I just got into like some really scary times. And I didn't, and I still at that point, I was in such denial. And so I want to get into the solution. So basically, my life was falling apart. I was getting evicted. Um, homeless people were squatting in my apartment. Um, it, it was, it was a disaster. I was losing my job. I was, my face was all broken out and fucked up because I was tweaking and, and high and my, I had bruises and stuff. And I just looked like a mess. And I, I sat there one day and my, my ex had taken my dog, my German shepherd, who's like my baby. And he stole him and got him registered and moved out of the apartment that we were getting evicted in. And I was like, that, that was it for me at that point. It was like, I need to fucking get help. So I went to my brothers. They had already been looking. I thought I was getting away with it, too. And, um, and I said, I have one more thing to do. And I drove to my boyfriend's uh, aunt's house, and I stole my dog back. And I drove, and I had to keep stopping and bumming $2 just to get to my brother's house while the police are behind me. And I went in, and my sister took me into my first detox ever. And for me, like, detox didn't seem, like, I thought rehab was something that, like, celebrities did. I didn't, I didn't know anything about Alcoholics Anonymous or any 12-step program. I heard it in the movies. And I went to detox, and I had a good detox. And then they told me about IOP, and they said there's a place. I was self-paying. My grandparents were paying everything for me. And then I went to... Um, I came out here, and that's when I came out here, I did IOP and OP, and I got a sponsor, and I picked my sponsor based on how she looked and who she socialized with, and I, I still love her to death, um, but I never worked any steps, and my, this, so I have 11 months now, but this last year before was when I tried to get sober, and I would work one, two, and three, and one, two, and three, and I got three, I did everything ass backwards, like I, um, I started working in treatment at like three months sober. I got a boyfriend at two months sober and I didn't work any steps. I wasn't of service and like I was sober for a little bit, but like you take away the drugs and the alcohol, I still have the ism and that's I self and me. So I'm still this self-centered asshole all the time that like really just cares about what I'm getting from people. And, um, 
and I got loaded. And I stole drugs from the treatment center, um, and I left that job. I got another awesome job at another treatment center in Laguna Beach, and I got high and stole the drugs from the from the searches. And and I was like, why am I doing this? I was like stealing Klonopin and all this stuff, and then. I finally said, fuck it, like I'm just gonna get what I want and I'm gonna go buy fentanyl. So I went on Craigslist and I went and bought fentanyl. And before, I wanna rewind, before I even started doing the fentanyl, um, I, I was stealing the drugs and like, mind you, everyone in my social group, including the boyfriend that I live with, thinks I'm sober and like working the solid program. Like I'm speaking at meetings to you guys like loaded. And, um, and yeah, like that was that was my reality and I was so fucking miserable on the inside. But like I was so scared to be like found out about and to like raise my hand like whenever it's like are there any newcomers in the room? Like I was like I'm not fucking doing it. Like my ego, my pride, like I'm not like I'm not doing it. I'm just going to lie to the day I die and I'll suppress the guilt. And it ate at me and I and I finally eventually bought the fentanyl off Craigslist and I got away with it for a couple days and then Saturday, on a Saturday, December 28th, um, I overdosed and I died on our living room floor and it was purple. And my boyfriend at the time didn't even, like he thought I like, like just was unconscious because he thought I was sober. Like he didn't realize that it was an overdose. And until they did and the ambulance came and it was like, it's such a, like this is so cunning and baffling and powerful. Like, especially like the way I want to save my ego is like being, wanting to, like when the ambulance is asking me like what like what have you taken like what have you taken and I'm still like nothing 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 as I'm like laying there dying like I don't want to be fucking found out about and to the point where I went to the hospital and I went to treatment a second time that day um, a man named Pedge took me along with uh, some other awesome people in the program and I went to treatment and I just got out of treatment last week I, I did last year I just wanted to fly out of treatment and um, this year, I um, I stayed in treatment. I got a new sponsor, and I changed fucking everything. And I didn't. I listened to everything that my sponsor says to me this day, and I worked these steps. And like, I actually had a thorough step one where I was like, "Fuck! Like, I can't stop!" Like, because I had relapsed in in this program when that boyfriend came and broke up with me. I lost the apartment, the boy, the the dog, whatever, and my life was falling apart. And I relapsed because that's the only way I know how to cope. And so once I worked these steps and I realized like, oh wow, like I'm super powerless over drugs and alcohol and anything that makes me feel good, like external validation, like people's reactions, like how people think or view me, like I'm powerless over fucking everything. And then I go into two and three and I realize like I don't have to do this alone and I have a power that's greater than myself that I can turn to and lean into that can remove all of these. And then I do a thorough uh, fourth and fifth rigorously honest and that's what I did. I was, and that's the one thing I changed this time around is I was fucking honest. And um, in six and seven, I got to face who I was and who I who I am. And um, and then in nine, and being able to like make those amends to that boyfriend who abused me for four years and say, hey, I fucked up too. Like I was wrong too. And he's still out there using. And I pray for him every day that he gets sober. And um, I work a 10, 10, 11, and a twelve on a daily basis. I don't want to come here and speak, but I know that. Like, it, like, I have sponsees now, and it makes me so happy when I see, like, I, you hear about all the times in the rooms, like, when you hear the, the spark come on and, and, or see the spark come on in someone's eyes and, like, them really getting invested in this program and, like, and, and trying to be, like, of service and showing up for you and you showing up for them and, 
And, you know, I had a really, like, shit week this last week, and it, it, was, it was really, like, lonely and confusing, and I was, like, spiritually bankrupt. And it's crazy how, like, if I just lean into this program and lean into God and just change and, like, tweak a few things and just listen to somebody, how easy it is to flip from this, like, depressive slump into this, like, oh, I feel, like, really good. And all I did was, instead of sitting in self-pity and wallowing in that, and, you know, poor me and not answering anyone's calls or, or texts and then wondering why no one's fucking calling me because that's how my brain thinks I'm self-centered. Um, I, I switch it up. I go to a meeting. I help out someone. I volunteer to, like, speak or do panels. And I don't know what it is, but there's something about, like, being of service and getting out of self and helping someone else that gets me out of myself. And it makes me feel so good. And I am just... I don't know. I, I like life is hard. Life is not simple. Um, by all means, it's 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 scary and it can be anxiety driven. And to say to say that I live this happy, joyous, and free life every single day of my life, I wouldn't be doing you guys a service and being honest here. Um, life is hard. Life is in session. But I'm grateful for this program um, that has taught me how to like navigate through these things and that I don't need it. Like, it's a miracle that I, like, have not snorted something, shot something up, uh, drank, any anything. Like, it is a miracle. Um, and it's awesome to see, the, like, six and seven, the character defects. Like, I get to every night review my day and, like, and actually write it out and send it to my sponsor and see, how, like, how I was as a, as a person, like, how I can be tomorrow. And, like, I don't do this thing perfectly at all. And I... I screw up a lot, and I complain a lot, and I'm whiny, and I'm selfish, but um, that's the cool thing about this program is it's progress, not perfection, and every day I, I get to grow into this program and hopefully help other people um, grow as well and find that way out of the dark and not be hopeless anymore because I know what it's like to be hopeless and suicidal, and I hope that someone got something out of my message tonight. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you.